Are you ready? Oh yeah! Let me tell you something, brother. If you're looking for the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be in the podcasting universe, then look no further than Ring the Bell. Bringing you the best in the world at what we do, and what we do is take over the world of wrestling reviews, baby. Now, Ring the Bell. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Ring the Bell. And it's time to go in your house with NXT TakeOver. We talked about it a couple of days ago. Now it's time to tell you all what happened. I'm your host, Andrew, with me once again. He doesn't just do previews. It's Ali Thompson. No, it's the review master as well. And you're welcome <laughs> in my house anytime, Andrew. Thank you very much. Okay, um, TakeOver. We spoke on uh, Saturday show that... Could it be one of the best takers yet? Uh, takeovers yet? Uh, I think we can. Well, I'm at least going to say it wasn't. And to be honest, no. it's probably one of the weaker ones. Yeah, it kind of reminded. I mean, we spoke about it on the on the Saturday show about how NXT kind of went through a little lull period, um, and it was almost like it resorted back to that. And there was no real excuse this time because they had, you know, they had a lot of the big stars there, albeit most of them in one match, but. Um, yeah, it was just very, it was it was very enjoyable, but very meh. It, it felt like two things to me. It felt like one, a themed special episode like Great American Bash, which is coming next month. It felt like one of their, those kind of episodes. Or it felt like a jumped up house show in which outcomes were predictable. It was kind of just there to entertain the viewers, whether it be us or the crowd in attendance. It didn't have any... They didn't feel it seemed that there was any actual development anywhere. Nothing apart from the, the angle at the end of the show, which we'll get onto later. There was nothing that really you could see, okay, coming out of this show onto Tuesday night's NXT, this is gonna happen. It just felt like it was this is a show, it won't really get mentioned again. You're not gonna remember it in a few days, but we had to do it. Yeah, pretty much I think you were you were kind of concerned about that pre-show as well when we were talking about it there was the lack of story build-up and it was kind of thrown together last minute as such I am um, I'll be honest I didn't watch it live I fell asleep last night waiting on it coming on um but I, I didn't skip any of it when I watched it back this morning my wife actually watched it with me as well and she she's no interest in wrestling whatsoever but she watched all the way through as well so yeah it wasn't bad but yeah that what we've looked forward to and what we've always praised NXT for is the character and the story developments. And almost when one thing finishes, you almost kind of know what's going to start coming next. And mm. yeah, we're kind of, we're left with more questions than answers, I feel, still. Uh, let's get into the matches. So kicking us off uh, was the six-man winners take all match for the North American and Tag Team Championships. It was Bronson Reed and MSK taking on Legado del Fantasma. Uh I think it's safe to say we're going to have differing views of this one because you liked it, didn't you? Yeah, I thought this was incredible. Um, I mean, the, the, the my favourite thing right away was both teams being colour coordinated, even though they weren't a team. I just liked the little touch of that. I just yep. the, the way it started really well um, with a, just with it almost like all the reversals quite quickly just coming in, and I just thought everything was placed very well in this match. No, I do think they're portraying Bronson just a bit too, a bit too strong, especially when you're a champion. Uh, but then, of course, then once it means obviously whoever does beat him, it makes it that bit more special. So there's nothing to argue here. But yeah, I just thought it was a very done, very well done six-way match. Um, I, just all the nuances was it for me as well. Like 
there, there was no like almost like making the referee look like an idiot. Not that the referee's got much to do on a six man, but you know there was no there was no stupid stuff. Um, I just I just thought it was very well timed. You seen the heel of Escobar coming out in the team, like forcing the, the littler guys in quotation marks, you know, to to face Bronson, showing his fear almost like near the start of the match. I just I honestly just thought it was for me it was it was my favourite match of the night. For, a, for an overall match. So, I mean, what was your issues with it? Uh, it was predictable. Uh, it, it seemed very obvious the outcome would be what it was. Um, not necessarily whoever took the pinfall, but it, I, I didn't have any doubt that the champions would retain. Uh, I'm not seeing the Bronson Reed deal right now. I, I, I've, I think there are better big men on, yeah. on the main roster, on NXT. I, I don't... I don't know. I, I don't see here. I don't look at him. And okay, this goes back to what we said on Saturday about you look in the past with the, the stars from NXT that have gone up to the main roster or that are still yeah. there. You look at them and go, that guy's a player, whether it's going to be on the main roster, on NXT, but that guy's something. I don't look at Reed and see, you know, upper mid card on Raw or main event on SmackDown. I, I just see him being there in amongst stuff, but not actually. I don't see. I don't see it with him right now. I don't know if he just needs that moment in my eyes, if that means anything. But from what I've seen of him, obviously stand and deliver both nights and now this, I'm not seeing it yet. Yeah, no, I completely agree on that part. I mean, the easiest one to compare him to would be like probably Keith Lee from before. And and mm-hmm. he's obviously, he's nowhere near Keith Lee's level for what he brought on the independent scene on NXT. And what we actually got to see him on, even on... Although it didn't work for the higher ups on on the main roster, so I, I I'm completely with you there. I didn't enjoy their Gargano feud either for for Bronson Reed. Um, there, there's a few that will another one I'll mention that I don't really see see really what everyone else is seeing for him um, later on. But yeah, just I do enjoy both tag teams here, and I think Escobar. I think we spoke about it on Saturday show as well. I do think he is a star in the making. Um, and it is just—it's. He's not ready, obviously, to be in the the top tier level. So maybe we do see him regain the the North American soon, and let him get another more, more long run with it. Shall we say? Yeah, I, I like Escobar. I think there's there's something special there if he's nurtured and and time's taken with him. The other issue I had and this this wasn't the whole match, but it was the first few minutes is. It seemed it felt a little too choreographed, acrobatic. Uh, remember, some time it was years back. There was that clip of uh, Ricochet and Osprey in Japan with the flips and the dives, and people loved it. People hated it and said this is not wrestling. Obviously, Jim Cornette hated it. The first few minutes of this felt a little bit too. Will you do a flip? Then I'll do a flip. Then we'll stand and look. Then we'll do that and whatever. And it's just like. Oh, it stands out because AEW are accused of doing it, like with some of the Young Buck stuff and some of that as well. And that's here nor there. But it just it it felt a little bit too unnatural for me for that first couple of minutes. But it did seem to get better as the as the match went on. But the first couple that of minutes, one of my highlights, it took me part. out of the, the match. That that was one of my highlights for the whole match. <laughs> what where where I would have lost interest if it was all offensive moves, but at least with the flips, there were always count on each other's move. Mm-hmm. So there was no, you know, there was no real offense in it 
and it was it wasn't like it was getting no soul just to do something else. That that's where they saved it for me. But I can also understand why more you know wrestling orientated people would have preferred not to see such a thing. So yeah, I've no issue with you with your point on that. Yeah, but that was one of my. I really did enjoy that that first maybe the first two three minutes of the match. Yeah. I think it was in. Yeah, it just got me right like sitting up like right now now we've started so yeah no that was one of my one of my highlight packages um, um, i agree with you about the um the the look um on the baby face on reading msk that the matching gear was was a nice touch even though they're not a, a, a trio mm. um i always like to see color coordination it's good yeah obviously the hills would, yeah the hills obviously would because they are a trio anyway but it's good to see that from the baby faces um yeah it just felt predictable it, it felt like a house yeah. show um kind of match where you know the baby is going to win it gets a pop it felt a little bit like one of those squash matches where it's kind of a squash but not quite but still enough of a dominating win to say that actually was seen quite like at no point did i feel the champions were threatened at no point did i really feel drama and it just felt like a routine they're going to win and there wasn't an awful lot of threat from the heels yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think the match was definitely designed and put together to protect the three baby faces. Obviously, they were keeping the titles, make them look strong, and also it it didn't damage Escobar. I think the mm-hmm. um, the tag team, the heel tag team, definitely. I can't remember the name. They definitely kind of took the brunt of it. Yeah. and and we've seen that. So like, it, it's almost well told storytelling, really. If you if, depend on how it goes long term. But you may see Escobar and the team splitting up, going their separate ways. You know, they get fed up of the heel Escobar putting them into situations that um, they can't win sort of thing. So ultimately, hopefully, well, hopefully in the wrestling sense and the, the wrestling we love, hopefully that is where we see that going. But I can completely understand what you're saying because it was very predictable. And I think we said that almost on the pre-show, yeah. that the only way we could see this winning is if they were trying to put the strap back on Escobar and make him look strong. Um, but I think you also highlighted that Bronson Reed had just won the title, so it was maybe a bit too soon for that. So it, it's yeah. almost it was almost on one of those, like you said, did, did we really need the story the way it was? You know, did we really need the six on six, three mm-hmm. on three, sorry, six man? Um, but I guess as you say, yeah, it just shows how two people can watch a match though and just find different things. And I guess that's why we're all wrestling ultimately. Exactly. If everyone thought the same thing, it'd be a very boring world and definitely probably not a very good podcast either if we're just saying the same thing and agreeing all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, up next, uh, we had a singles match with, uh, they tried to bit put a backstory, tried to make some sort of relevance to it. It was Mercedes Martinez against Zia Lee. Uh, May Ying was watching the match from her chair or throne at, at, on the stage. And Boa was at ringside uh, with Lee. Uh, I quite liked this. I thought it was well worked. Pretty good. Uh, didn't have a lot of drama. I, I kind of, I didn't expect Lee to lose. Again, the predictability, predictability of it. It didn't feel like there was ever a time I thought, oh, Mercedes is going to pull this one out. It, it, it felt like the end was going to come. Maybe a few minutes too long. Uh, nearly eight minutes it went. It didn't feel like it needed all that time. Wasn't a fan of the finish. Didn't think the kick looked that, that spin kick looked enough like it should have knocked out Martinez. Uh, what about you? I pretty much agree with everything. The, my, my biggest issue with the whole match was, I think it was quite, maybe about four minutes in, Zia Lee, like, proper kicked the post. 
Um, mm-hmm. Martinez ducked. She got full shin the post and was walking fine straight away. Um, had her little limp, got thrown in the ring and then was kicking Martinez right after. Little things like that really, really bug me. Um, unless unless you're going to make it a like like the five way such. There was things yeah. in that that did the same. You know the no selling, but because of the type of match it is, you're almost for allowing it in a one-on-one match, I think there's no excuse for it. So little things like that. But again, yeah, I just it was just one of those matches. It was yeah, it was solid. It was it was okay, but there was no real moments. It made me stand up and go, "Oh, this is good." It wasn't a takeover match. That that's yes. the thing. I, yeah. This this is a, I suppose the problem. The takeover has set such a high bar now that a match which would be absolutely fine on XT TV or maybe even on a, a themed TV episode, good, entertaining, solid, not not a waste of time, but it's not that esteemed, you know, hyperbole, hype-worthy takeover match. That's that's the problem they've got now on these shows. Yeah, no, wholeheartedly. And I mean, and we'll come on to it obviously shortly, but the, the, the after-match stuff for me was more interesting than the, the eight minutes of the match. Yeah, so after the match, Martinez got, um, got off the chair and started attacking uh, Lee. Uh, Mei Ying rose up from her chair, um, applied uh, a almost like a Tongan death grip um, yeah. for you Haku slash Ming fans out there, um, and then threw Martinez into the barricade, the plexiglass barricade. So it, it's a development. Obviously, Ying now getting physically involved, which he hasn't yet. So that's something that is a, a takeaway leading into the, the next few weeks. That's something, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty much, you'd imagine that's where the, that's the next match they're going down. I, I assume we still won't see Mei Ying um, competing like on Probably NXT or that yet. yet. It'll still be, no. a, still be a few weeks. Maybe the Great American Bash show, Possibly only yeah. two, two weeks away. Uh, two, three uh, weeks, yeah. Yeah, or maybe the next takeover. Maybe a bit too far away for a proper takeover to wait so long, but... Yeah, I still think we'll see. But yeah, it was inter- It was just a nice character to see, you know, that dark side and the standing there. And it, the grip was interesting, to be fair. It just when you seen it, I, automatically when she grabbed the chair and she hit her with it, and then she went to hit her again and she grabbed her again. And I'm like, oh, you know, it just perked me right up. So mm-hmm. there's interest in there. There's a character there. The vignettes that she had uh, maybe about a month ago were, were excellent. So yeah, um, I thought it was very. Yeah, I thought the ending was very well done. Even for me, if the match was a bit, a bit meh. Uh, up next, we had a backstage promo, uh, an intense, fired-up promo from Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Uh, this coming Tuesday, they have a tornado tag match against the Grizzled Young Veterans. I would have wanted to see that match on Takeover, if I'm honest. Um, I'm all for obviously saving stuff for TV, proper rating, you know. But Takeover without Tommaso Ciampa on it doesn't feel right to me somehow. I mean. The best takeovers in recent memory have been ones that more often than not have involved Tommaso Ciampa in some form or fashion. And he's in a, he's, he's wasted. I love Thatcher, absolutely. But Ciampa has that look still. He has that intensity. Why is he not in amongst that pack at the top, like in the, the, the five-way main event? That, that boggles my mind that he's not more featured. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they're just keeping him away from that scene for a while to bring him back in to make it mean something because um, he doesn't deserve just to be thrown in with five guys. You know, he is better than that. And hmm. I'm not saying like the other guys don't deserve better either, but Gargano genuinely was a megastar, the, the greatest heel in wrestling for, for the, 
the largest period of time when he started coming down with the no music. Yeah. Um, that was just, you know, incredible. And the stuff he's been doing with Thatcher has been fine. It's been fun. Yes, it's wasted, but I'm glad he wasn't on this show because there was too many multi-man matches. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. Well, I would have wanted yeah. to see the match at the same Absolutely. time. Yeah, it would have got lost in amongst the, the six-man and obviously the ladder match had had yeah. that intensity and the main event, of course. So, yeah, it's it's a double-edged thing. I would have wanted to see it, but at the same time, I wouldn't have wanted to see it. Well, just quickly on that, though, I had really a, a slight prediction or story booking hopeful i really do hope they lose on tuesday um to the grizzled run vets and lead to let's just get a, a thatcher gargati champa feud finale almost because they started uh, yeah. originally didn't they um and let's then just start propelling champa into a, a singles because he is better as us, unless you're going to put him back with Gargano and reunite DIY and give them a good title run, because that's what that's the team you want to see them in. You don't want to see him with Thatcher. I, if not, I want to see him on his own. And like, yeah, there's loads of guys there you could put him in. I want him to be the new Cesaro almost of mm-hmm. NXT. You know, let's just get him on TV every week, putting on on clinics rather than like tag matches and stuff like that. I mean, they're great because we get to see Champa, but he deserves better. I um, also want the same outcome purely because uh, GYV should be up there challenging MSK. You know, they're, they're a superb tag team that have kind of uh, been promoted from NXT UK because, you know, they are better than that system. They are a, a you know, a quality tag team and they do fit on NXT. And I think there's, there's more that could be done with them, especially with that tag team championship picture, whether, you know, obviously um, Wild and... Um, the guy whose name I can't Mendoza, whether they're still in the picture or not, uh, it'd be good to see the veterans in there as well. Um, ladder match up next. We um, wax lyrical about the potential on this one on Saturday's show. Uh, we likened it in the sense of a potential to like a Rock Triple H as two guys looking for that breakthrough performance. You had the added wrinkle of the Million Dollar Man Teddy Biasi at ringside, of course, with a Million Dollar Championship. That being on the line, when all was said and done, and we'll get into the, the meat and bones of it, going forward we're all sudden done i expected more and i don't i think dbrc was wasted as well and i just don't know if it really achieved what it could have done yeah well we spoke about this on saturday how well they had used the million dollar man and said like this is how like you know veterans should be used especially especially in an nxt capacity mm-hmm. um now, the whole time, I think we had predicted that DiBiase would get involved at some point, and that's how the match would be won. DiBiase would almost choose his choose his successor, really. Yeah. So the whole match, I don't know about you, but I was really just waiting yeah. for it, especially at the end. And I was waiting on DiBiase to cause one of them the loss and hand over. So because of because nothing happened, which anybody obviously watching now knows this, I, I left feeling this was the worst match of the night because the match never done anything to draw me in. I just kept waiting on a DiBiase ripple effect yeah. to cause something. And because it didn't happen, I almost, I couldn't tell you what happened in the match apart from the last bump because I just kept waiting on DiBiase. And that's that's not a good thing for a ladder match, which should be full of, you know, full of moments at least. As I've never shown I like DiBiase. I've met DiBiase. You know, I, I'm fine with being involved and obviously it, there was a story there. But the more I was watching it, a few things got to me. One, Grimes 
ostensibly was still a heel coming in to take over. And obviously LA Knight's a heel as well. Um, but then during the match, Grimes was working full on babyface and the fans were treating him like a babyface. So the question, the first question I got is why is Grimes seemingly babyface now? Why is he so eagerly fighting for a heel championship? That I, I don't really understand. Um, two, yeah, the DBRC thing, like, is he going to be involved going forward? Is he going to be a manager or is he now going to go away? He's, he's you know, he's found his legacy, the, the way to his legacy to carry on and that's it, off to the sunset. And thirdly, I'm still not seeing the LA Knight thing. I don't, Grimes, I mean, he's brilliant. I think he's got something, uh, obviously Trevor Lee in Impact uh, was great. He came in, he's doing really well in NXT as well. But LA Knight, it feels a little EC3. But the West version of EC3. Almost, and that's not a knock on LA Knight because he's got the look, he's got he's got ability. You see it in that match. Yeah, it wasn't a bad ladder match. It there have been worse ladder matches we've seen, but the specter of DiBiase hanging over it affected it. The they said a lot about it was the biggest crowd they've had in the CWC. Uh, Three hundred fans were in there last night. I didn't hear an awful lot. It was a very quiet crowd for no Thunderdome. Thunderdome. There was no virtual fans. It was all live fans. But I didn't hear an awful lot of noise for two guys that theoretically are the next generation or the next incoming players in NXT. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, I thought the crowd were actually quite disappointing all night until the end. Actually. Yeah. Quite quiet, considering it's the first one really with, with a decent capacity. But um, yeah, I just, as you say, Grimes, there's something about Grimes. I don't quite see it. Um, but he he is over to be fair, and I can, I can there's there's bits that are funny, but I just don't quite I didn't quite get it last night. And the more you've spoke about all well, this morning, but the more you've said it there is, I think it might be the whole he went in as a heel, then played babyface, and maybe this is where my confusion and almost disinterest comes from. Um, early night, yeah, look, he's it reminds me very much of Rocky Maivia. You know, he's. You can tell the looks there. He's. He's okay on the mic. You know, he's not bad. He. He is good in ring, but there's just. Don't know. There's just something missing. Um, he doesn't stand I, I, out. That. That's no. the thing. We've had a lot of guys that have come from TNA or Impact or come from known indie, uh, like positions and things like that, and he's come with a bit of a, a bit of a background, a bit of a fanfare, a bit of following, a bit of notoriety. He's had a name change, standard, but other guys have stood out. LA Knight's coming, and so after, no disrespect meant in the comparison, but he feels a bit like, well, EC3 was big, came in as a former Impact champion, you know, has that name, he's going to do something. And maybe Knight will, maybe one day he will. But for all the talk about the Million Dollar Titan, I think I don't see it as a stepping stone. It just feels like it's a championship which... Is never defended. It's not like a, a North American champion. It's not even four champions. It's not a, a belt in the sense of you're striving to become the million-dollar champion. It's an albatross, really. It's a ball and chain. I don't see how it's going to aid LA Knight's progression. Yeah, it, it comes across just that WWE wanted to sign him so nobody else could almost. Maybe. You know, it's just, yeah, and here's your, here's your like, kind of cherry. Look, this is, we'll give you this um, because you're not going to get near the you know, the main picture sort of thing. Because right now, can you really see him in the, certainly in the main event picture just now? No way. No. Um, I mean, Cameron and Grimes, you could at least see it down the line. Nowhere near ready for it just now. But you could see WWE getting behind him 
um, in NXT, and you can see the fans, especially, again, let's just say last night was more an anomaly for the fans, because normally the NXT crowd is quite is quite wild. Um, maybe, maybe that was just more an indictment on how the show was for them as well. It was more a case of they were only there for that one. It felt like a boxing pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watch boxing, but you know there's the there's loads of great fights on the card. But let's be honest, you're only there to see the main event, yep. and that's what last night felt like for me. Um, I th- I think it's uh, we shouldn't be too we shouldn't start proclaiming the downfall of NXT and everything because oh, it's not no, showing. No, no. But yeah. you've, 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 we spoke about this before on Saturday and before this as well. Is that you're looking for that next breakout star in NXT. You're looking for that that next almost next generation, you know, and. I'm not, there seems to be a bit of a weakness. There's depth there. And obviously they've got the talent that they can use and they can rotate and, and so on. But I'm not seeing someone almost like reach out and it's the, the whole cliche of the brass ring, but no one's busting the gut to make themselves seen. You know, whereas in the past, it felt like Gargano was was chomping at the bit to, to make himself something. And Champa was doing more than, you know, maybe he needed to, to make himself seen and Balor and, and, anyone XT that have come up through the system and obviously Adam Cole but someone like Grimes his bumps really good in that ladder match he was he was bumping up there with Shawn Michaels quality you know he was he made the match work for me this match was felt takeover-ish it felt quality enough for a takeover and I'm crediting Grimes with that for the bumps and for the work rate but generally especially with Knight and I don't mean this to be a, a dumping session on Knight but I'm not seeing him stand out from the pack. And I don't see right now what he's got that's going to let him stand out from the pack. Yeah, I think what what my 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 thoughts on the whole basically low lower card to mid card to guys coming through. I think the difference between like the guys all oh, you, you just mentioned, you know, like the Joes coming in, even the Ballers, the the Gargano. Gargano's probably the prime example of how to work yourself from the bottom. To the main event because let's be honest, Gargano was never brought in to be a main event. No. Like you, you don't look at Gargano and think, right, you know, you're the Kyle O'Reilly is another one, but it was the guys that th- those two were getting to to face, and that's this is where NXT's like depth now comes in because they've thrown all their main guys up in here. Like last night was prime example. You've got five of your best guys in one match. Now, if you just took out one or two of those and put them against an LA Knight or against a Cameron Grimes, that elevates both guys rather than just one. And this is NXT's biggest weakness just now. They're looking at elevating guys, but they're almost only... It's like they're eliminating another whilst elevating one, where good wrestling done right is you elevate both, even in defeat. And and this is where NXT has been its letdown in the last while. Again, they're, they're losing a lot of guys to the main roster at times which is understandable, but there was always that couple of guys, you know, in the background ready to step up because they were having solid matches. Whereas now, even like, I mean, let's be honest, we spoke about in the pre-show, Pete Dunne and Kyle O'Reilly really weren't really solidified as main eventers yet. Mm-hmm. Whereas for in a match like last night, if you took them out and put them in singles matches against lower guys, give them their wins, it elevates both at the same time should you get a, you know, a good match. And I think this is where NXT is going wrong. It's like they're trying to elevate too much to amplify the top of the card that they're forgetting about that mid card just now. And it will it will come because they've got too many intelligent guys down there in NXT um, running the place, you know, and, and Sean and 
and Hunter obviously, I, I assume Road Dog's still down there helping out. Uh, I can't remember I was doing it, but you know what I mean? We've got yeah. Norman Smiley and everybody, you know, you've got who's who of wrestling training and this wrestling minds. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where we will see by time, you know, we get the next proper big takeover, we'll, we'll start to see more of that now that they're not competing with another wrestling show, you know, on the nights. So they're not having to worry about ratings or anything. They can say they weren't worried about it, but it would definitely start bothering them because you want your product to be doing its best on the, at the end of the day. And look, again, as you say, look, there's never really a, it's not a negative connotation on NXT because I think we, we both agree NXT is, is the best weekly television show for wrestling. Um, they are, yeah, it's I up mean, there with SmackDown. Sometimes yeah. it's hard to, to to split the two, but yeah, it, it's a quality, consistent weekly show. Yeah, top to bottom. Whereas SmackDown sometimes is just outside the Roman. It's Roman Reigns and and nothing else. But yeah, I just I was disappointed in the whole show. I get on the whole this whole match purely down to I had such high hopes for DiBiase interfering and making that mean something that. Uh, I almost, if I had been in the crowd, I wouldn't have been watching the match, if that makes sense. Um, a note about DBRC, I caught some of the uh, post-show um, okay. conference call in there, Shawn Michaels on there with Triple H, and Michaels sort of basically admitted that when the Grimes stuff first, the angle with the money I think start, first started, and they were like hinting at DBRC, they had no plans to use DBRC. It was right, just, yeah. uh, oh, actually, you've mentioned DBRC. Let's see if he's available. And it, it just feels a little like, okay, so you, you caught on, but that didn't seem like a very difficult story to tell, and yeah. you missed it. Like, it, I don't know. It, it's, it's not a, a big concern, but it does make you think there are some smart people down in NXT, and you've got a guy who, and this the, the whole money thing was a shoot. Cameron Grimes, shoot, did come into money. It's not just a character. But if you're going to start playing that as an on-air, an on-air character thing with the money and everything and and the connotations and the illusions to you know, a money-oriented superstar, why wouldn't you be calling Teddy Biasi and seeing if he's free to come in? Yeah, yeah. It just seemed a little bit like, how could you not... Yeah, it was just it. It's made a few. You no, know, there's been. I've seen it on like news sites today about how DBRC wasn't even in mind for it, and then he got brought in. And yeah, it was just a a little sort of niggle in my brain that thought, why did that not get thought of? Yeah, it seems, seems seems silly that, as you say, like, uh, you can credit the minds all you want down there, but yeah, that seems like an obvious like free hit almost. You know, mm. you can't go wrong. And I assume he's under some sort of legends contract. I think he already was. Um, yeah, so I think it's a case of whether he was happy to fly down and fly into yeah. to NXT, obviously for the weekly shows and obviously for last night as well. Yeah, that's a strange one, that. Yeah, I wonder if we'll hear more of that in due time. Okay, up next, semi-main event. Uh, it was the NXT Women's Championship, Ember Moon challenging Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai at ringside. Uh, again, it was well worked. I, I liked the match. It was solid. But again, no mystery in the outcome. I didn't foresee a new champion, same as MSK and same as Bronson Reed and Killer Cross. Uh, so Carrying Cross, that'll take a while. They've just won their belts. The NXT aren't usually in the aren't usually in favour of changing belts too quickly unless yeah. the champions go out to the main roster at the moment. That's not going to happen. So the match didn't have any kind of drama. I thought, oh, I was going to do it because I, I had no point. I think she was. But the match was fine. Again, was it takeover worthy? Mm, maybe, maybe not. But it, 
the predictability inevitably took me out of the match. Yeah, no, um, that and my dislike for Ember Moon yes. took me out of the match. But that's a that's that's a me thing, not a not a wrestling thing. I just and I, I still feel. Again, we've been spoilt with women in NXT. You know, some of the matches we've had in the past, you know, what, four or five years almost, mm-hmm. you know, right through top to bottom. Even the Io Shirai stuff was was brilliant and the Shayna stuff, excellent. This was just a bit, yeah, it was good. It was it was better than 90s women wrestling. Um, but again, yeah, the predictability, I'm not down with, with Ember Moon, in-ring, out-ring character, anything. Uh, I think Ra- Raquel, Raquel yeah, Gonzalez, mm-hmm. yep. I think she's still kind of growing as she's coming along, which yeah. is fine. Excellent. We've got plenty of time. Do you really want your champion to be grown? Which is maybe a, another debate that we can have another day. But, I mean, she's carrying it really well. But, yeah, there was no surprise. The match was was fine. Um, had this been, had I watched this live, you know, at the time, this would have been the, the cup of tea toilet break match after about a couple of minutes in where I realised, okay, right, Raquel's going to win this. But yeah, it was fine. And it was maybe what, not that the, the, the whole card had been really like on your seat sort of stuff, but I think they maybe hoped that it was with the crowd first time back. And that's just why this was strategically placed before the the five-man to kind of mm-hmm. settle the crowd down, which isn't a good look for your women's champion. I feel that's, like... That's, the, the, yeah, that's the problem. The doing women's five matches shows almost a... should have been swapped around. Yeah, that's the problem with doing a five-match takeover is that something's got to start. Something's got to be the buffer between the, the, that that mid, that mid-match mid and in the main event. And do you put, you know, a match which, from a stakes point of view, doesn't have really anything going for it in the Martinez yeah. match, doesn't really have anything... That, does that really semi-main event without being too obvious? It's there just to say, let's have a breather, yeah. let's have a break, let's just put these women out there just to waste time because that's that's obviously not fair. So take a rules at that problem. It's match placement, it's pacing, it's that's the downside of running a four, a four or five match event. Something's got yeah. to go in that spot. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah, that's a good point because if you swapped around, it just looks like. Right, you just can all go away now at this point and come back in ten minutes. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I just feel it was also a. I get the whole main and co-main event because you're trying to make it look like a real fight feel type thing, you know, where the the main title and then the secondary titles go next. But yeah, I don't know. I just I, I almost wished it opened the show if that was the case. Mm-hmm. But then what do you put second the, the other ones as well? You can't put a lot of them out. Yeah, so that's fair. But I just thought, yeah, this this was the match probably of all of them that I was not disappointed in, but was the most predictable. Yeah. I just didn't see any other outcome whatsoever. Um, yeah, so it was quite disappointing. I mean, was there any good points in the match for you? Anything that stood out? This was the thing that I tried to think before we came on. Um, Shotsu Blackheart returned, which got a, a bit of a pop and obviously continued that feud. She, she got rid of uh, Dakota Kai, threw her into the, the flowers on the In Your House, in your house set. Um, it's quite cool. I'm um, that that could continue on whether they transition into Shotzi getting the next shot, maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, it again, it was fine. It was, I didn't finish and think, I didn't finish match and think, well, that's 12 minutes, I'm not getting back. It wasn't offensive, but again, the out the predictability ruined it. <laughs> you know, the work was good, booking was fine, but I didn't, I didn't have any doubt who was going to win. So how can I fully invest in the match? And unfortunately, that does feel like it's a, a criticism or at least a comment 
on the entire night. Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel some of the backstage stuff was was more interesting than the the in ring stuff. Um, yeah, well, so before we get to the main event, we'll actually touch on that. There was a couple yeah. of um, ongoing threads through the night. First one was Todd Pettingill was back, um, the in your house master. Yeah. I love Todd, uh, so yeah, that's fine, all good. It's just, it's that little nostalgia tie in that just makes it feel a bit more like okay, this isn't this isn't just slapping a name on. This is in your house. With Doc Hendricks doing the voiceover, we get. Todd Pettingill trying to shill and Walkmans and merch and trying to run VCR. It's little things. I'm fine with it. All good. The other thread through the night, which we'll get back to at the end of the the card, um, there were backstage issues, scuffles between the women, between the main eventers and Regal getting more and more increasingly agitated, trying to break up all this chaos that's going on. Uh, Right before the main, actually, Gargano was walking through and Regal (laughs) was trying to break up a fight between Ember and and Shotzi and, and Dakota and, and Raquel. And it's just, yeah, Regal, you could, because Regal's facial expressions are incredible, second to none, you know, and you can tell what he's thinking about him saying it. And you could just see through every segment, it's like he's getting annoyed, he's getting more and more frustrated, like he just can't control this. But I said, we'll come back to that. Main event time, Fatal Five Way for the NXT Championship. Uh, Carrying Cross defending against Adam Cole, Carlo Riley, Pete Dunne, and Johnny Gargano. Uh, a note for Gargano's outfit, Shawn Michaels inspired. I loved it. Love it. Yeah. Gargano wins the outfit of Takeovers every time. Every time. Yeah. It's always something different, whether it be Marvel, whether it be some sort of comic book aspired, you know, that he's into. But I was surprised show- he didn't um, do the little abseil off the In Your House set like Shawn Michaels did that one time. So I'm a bit surprised that didn't take place. I, I would have liked the full-on, like, chaps coming down, taking them <laughs> off. I would have I'd have loved the full-on tribute, but yeah, but I think the way Gargano does it, it just makes it just quirky rather than copy. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was excellent. I'm glad you spotted that. Okay, uh, main event. Now... <laughs> I watched it. I've watched this match twice today because whenever you watch a show, especially when you're going to watch it to talk about it, you, you're watching and making notes or however you want to do it. You're watching the match because you're not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So you sometimes may miss stuff or you don't maybe appreciate certain elements of it. So I watched the match the first time and I thought it was really good. It was it was a, a main event worthy of a takeover. It Definitely. was star power. It was all action. Okay, you had the usual. Will you go and sell? Because these two are fighting. Yeah. That's your turn to come in. It was, it's a necessary evil of a multi-man match. I I get that. So I watched it again, and I thought, right, okay, I've got my notes. I've made my my bulk of my thoughts that I'm going to talk about this on the show. Um, now let's just watch it as a match, and let's take in that person's work and that person's work and the chemistry and things like that. And the takeaway I've taken both times from watching the matches. I don't think Karrion Cross fits in NXT. I don't think he he's the man. I he 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 stands out as he is a round peg in a square hole. He seems like he's main roster only. He the best times this match was when he wasn't there. Yeah. Cross just and I know he's got ability. We've seen it in obviously in other in, in other promotions and things, and he came with a lot of hype. But I just don't think he's the guy. And I think the quicker they get into the main roster, where he clearly belongs because he's got that look, he doesn't have to bring the work rate because he's got the entrance, he's got the girl, he's got the smoke machine, he's got the look. But the longer he stays there, I don't, it, I, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also agree he's not a champion. 
And that's not a negative factor him. He could be a top guy, he, like an Undertaker. Undertaker wasn't a champion. Undertaker never looked good with the belt. Never, you know, never fit carrying the no. carrying the belt. Maybe the badass, like the American badass, could have could have carried the, the belt longer than it actually did. You know, because he then wasn't the dead man. But carrying crosses like a, I don't know how how do you even describe him? You know, he, he has a full on gimmick. Who can work? You know, that's I'm not. This, I don't mean any of this negative for any like the you know the proper like marks out there. But this isn't like a negative connotation on on carrying cross. He is he is a machine. He's brilliant in the ring. He's good promo. He's got an incredibly looking manager. He's got a great look himself. As you say, the entrance, the smoke, the mirror. You know, he literally is the full package. He's like, you know, he's no different to like as I say, Taker, the Kane, uh, the Fiend. You know, all those things that we love. He's not a, and it, it, no, he's it, not a champion for me. You know, he doesn't. He can still be a main event. As I say, he can run shows. You can book a whole takeover around him versus anyone, but it has to be one on one. He doesn't fit in in a multi-man match because he isn't. You know, he's not flips. There's no flips about him. And, and let's mm-hmm. be honest, multi-man matches are about like high dives, are about flips and drips. I mean. I'm trying to think many more. Apart from like the Dudleys, with uh, involved in the tag team stuff with Edge and Christian and the Hardys, how many like big guys fit in well in a in a flippy type match? Like Undertaker almost killed me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I don't know. I just with without for the last couple of minutes, I've, I've been percolating a thought, but trying to think how to say it, which doesn't sound insulting, and I can't. So. In, in in no way is this statement meant to insult anyone, but NXT is supposed to be the developmental brand. It's not. It's a, it's a third brand, and absolutely it is. But it's always been like, this is where the stars of the future work today. Yes. So they get better. So Gargano, we said, come from the bottom, worked his way up. You know, Champa started in the tag team, worked his way up. Finn Balor obviously worked, okay, he's come back, but he's honing his craft still. And all these other guys are. Kyle O'Reilly's trying to break out as a singles guy in NXT. Pete Dunne has, is trying to break out as that big, big player in NXT. Karen Cross feels like he doesn't need to do that because he's as good as he's going to be. And he's he's got he's got the package. Like they're not to, they're not trying to tweak it and trying to find what works. Like the entrance, tick, the look, tick, the manager, tick, the moves, tick, the aura, tick. So what's left to develop? Like he doesn't need to be there, and that's not. It just it, he feels so out of place, and I I can't place why, but it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, yeah, the the biggest thing takeaway from you said in the last few minutes was the the match was at its best without carrying cross in it. It was you know, every stage, and it was. Um, I mean. Just even moving off carrying cross now because I think we're starting to sound negative on him and we really, really yeah. are. Uh, I really are on the main roster and we, we always speak that we don't want any of these guys going up, but we carry cross. He either needs to or almost leave the company because it doesn't fit, especially because you can't just put him in a, a, a general match in NXT because you couldn't put him with a lesser guy because he's not mm-hmm. the type of. A wrestler to elevate anybody as well. Gargano can elevate a monkey. Yeah, you know, genuinely, you could put him in the ring with anybody and do it. And for me, this match, Pete Dunne, we spoke about needed to cement his place 
amongst the elite. Last night for me, well, I watched it this morning, but last night's pay-per-view, my word, Pete Dunne was the superstar in this match. He, I now understand what you've told me for the last two years watching that one match. He is actually a master in that ring and he deserves to get so much more than NXT's given him right now. And I really hope going forward we do see something. I want, uh, who was it? Who was, I want a him and Kyle O'Reilly now, like best of five, just well, because I think to, that could be excellent. Going on to O'Reilly, the, the biggest disappointment that matters two disappointments. One, cross, which we've covered. The other one, I didn't see anything superstar worthy out of Carl O'Reilly in that match from a single. He, he didn't stand out. He Adam Cole bossed it because he's Adam Cole. That's what he does. Pete Dunne, as you said, stood out. He belongs in that in that play. Gargano is Gargano. You know what he's going to do. He'll do it every time. Teflon is safe. Perfect. O'Reilly, I since the split from the era and the, the gimmick change and, and, you know, he's the, you know, he's kind of, he's almost like the orange Cassidy of, of, of NXT almost, you know, in the set without obviously the hands in the pockets and that sort of thing. But he's at denim just kind of walks over there, does the job. He, I don't see it. Like the new music, I think he's missing something. And last night, you know, in a ring full of people, full of superstars, I didn't see O'Reilly as belonging and I think he, that could be a concern. He is missing something, and its name's Adam Cole. Kyle O'Reilly's fine. He's he's a great. As I say, I want to see him and Pete Dunne in a best of five series because I think the matches they could have will be incredible. Yep. I think Kyle O'Reilly, which what he might prove us wrong here is maybe in a few years' time he might be what Gargano is now, but right now he is what Gargano was then. He's there to give everybody good matches. He put on clinics, and he's really there to make them look good. Um, I think last night proved because I thought he was great last night at making everybody. You know, he sold well. His moves look authentic, brilliant. Um, I thought some of the transitions between each of the guys. I thought they were all really, really stiff, really mm-hmm. good. Goal. I, I love. He sold the the finish. Incredible. And I, we said before we didn't want him taking the the fault. We said Gargano should have been the one, really, because as you mentioned, Teflon. But the way the way it finished, I didn't think any lesser Riley because of that. Um, because he, okay, maybe that yeah. So from an offensive but, point of view, O'Reilly didn't show a lot, but he made others look good. And in that sense, yeah. if that's his role and if that's his, what his job's going to be, then you probably couldn't pick a better person for it. So. Maybe I retract a little bit and kind of step back on, I guess, the criticism because his job wasn't to stand out in that sense last night. Uh, I, well, not not in my. I think he was probably meant to originally, but for me, once once I've seen how the match was going, I thought he was basically get a little bit off his end because his offense always does look quite stiff and quite. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a lot of MMA training, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, not just not just playing it on TV. I believe he does train quite a lot. So you've seen all that sort of stuff. And as I said, the, the Pete Dunne interactions you had with him with Dunne locking him in like three different sus- submissions and, and in a case of a minute. Yeah, he, he played that role of let's make everybody else look good whilst everybody else done the same, but looked like they could win it at some point. You know, they were never going to, but they had legitimate like finishing moves and... Mm. And they were there or thereabout. It always took like some sort of 
break up to finish it. I, I loved a lot of the, the... There was a really, really good segment, maybe for about two minutes, where they all had double team moves on one another. Yeah. So they were all, I just thought that was just was incredible. I, look, this is one of the matches that you, you'll find a lot of people will complain. Like you said, the, the Will Ospreay and... Ricochet. Yeah, Ricochet, the no-selling. You could see a lot of that in this. But again, it's a five-man match. You can't sell everything as as you should in a five-man match or there would be like guys down everywhere every two minutes. Um, so I have no issue with it in a match like this. This match did show me that if if this is indeed true, I can see why Vince McMahon doesn't like leg slapping because there was a lot of it in this match. Yes. I mean... Yeah, yeah, these are the guys who this was aimed at, wasn't it? Like from the it very, was. I think Champa was quite bad for it as well. But I think Champa was doing it kind of deliberately, wasn't he? He's like a rib back at Randy. Whereas you look at like an Adam Cole. Obviously, I love Adam Cole, but I, I think his leg, I think his hand was on his leg more than he was touching opponents. It felt like, <laughs> and and obviously all of them because it's obviously that the to make his sound better and everything. I get that, but. I've seen other guys do the same thing without needing to leg slap. And I guess part of it, you know, you know, The Rock used to leg slap for his punches that no one seemed to spot until this leg slapping thing came out. The Rock did it masterfully and hid it. But I don't know, when, when you hear the guys, the, the people criticise about leg slapping, you watch a match like this and you think, ah, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's why they get so pissed about it. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean... <laughs> It's not as offensive because it is where it is, and it's what, like NXT and and AEW to an extent, are both glorified indie shows. You know, they're TV indie shows. Mm. All the wrestlers they've got on them are indie stars. You know, bar bar Finn, I would say, yeah, because Finn New Japan's not really an independent show. That's quite a you know that's a big deal. Yeah. So he's went from there to NXT to the main roster to come back. So I'd say he's probably the only. Credible, like superstar sort of. I don't. I'm trying not to sound offensive, but no, I'll get. I'll get what you mean in the sense so, of where they came from to where yeah, they are now. Yeah, that's basically, that, and that's why NXT is so loved. You know, it's like they for a while they were basically the new TV show of Ring of Honor. And, yeah, and uh, AEW is obviously the same with the with the, the elite and the Bullet Club members that sort of thing who were like the main independent shows. So yeah, it's less offensive. Do we want to see it cut out or at least? looking better so we're not catching it as much because mm-hmm. as wrestling fans what we don't want to be doing is then having to defend these guys in matches when they're indefendable yeah. we just want to just enjoy the show for the sake of enjoying the show as we've said the match was was really good it, it to an extent it kind of saved the show in a way uh it was it again it, it was a match that felt takeover worthy yeah, as far as the main event, it was star power. It had good action. Unfortunately, the best action from the champion wasn't in it, but that's obviously something that maybe needs to be looked at. And you know, I don't know how they're going to rectify that going forward. the The worrying thing, and this goes back to to Cross, when the ref called for the bell, that place was silent. Like when he first locked on his his choke, the the crowd booed because obviously he's a heel. But then when he got the win. There was no reaction at all, and it's the, yeah. you know the, you think the the term always is any reaction is a good reaction. When you hear nothing is when you should be worried. Yeah. If you've got this big bad killer heel, pardon the pun, 
and you're getting no reaction from that man just retaining the championship, I think you have a problem. Yes, and what doesn't help, like they could have saved that by having, imagine this was a fatal four-way, and this is where your Adam Cole came back. Mm-hmm. You know, so the crowd are stunned because they thought the good guy Gargano was going to win, say, you know, and Cross comes in, locks him in, or even O'Reilly, because I think if O'Reilly won, for a moment anyway, you'd have got a, a yay, because yeah. he, is, he is loved, especially by that type of crowd. So again, because they had the five main guys in the in the match, there is no, there wasn't even a, a hint of a surprise, you know, mm. like, did you, uh, now we know obviously nothing, thingy, but were you even thinking about, oh, I wonder if somebody comes in now no. that it's over? No, Whereas, uh, no, the show, it didn't feel like one of those shows where something big was going to happen. Because really, apart from the, the angle at the very end, which obviously is, is a tease, yeah, this show didn't have any kind of thing where you think, oh, someone's going to show up. Because remember back in the day, TakeOver, there'd be a new sign in the crowd. There'd be something. There'd be something. You know, we've had Riddle debut there. Um, everyone, names have emptied my head now, but all the big names that have come in have all debuted in the crowd. Well, Last Drew. Night, Drew, yeah. Last night's show didn't have any feeling of TakeOver to me. Did you have any inclination that Joe might have been there? We spoke about that, but I still didn't really expect it. Yeah, as the ma- as the night went on, I thought, "Hey, oh, well, I remember Joe could be showing up, but he won't show up in this. He won't. This this won't be the night he shows up. Yeah, One, well, he shouldn't have. I think it were taken away from the main event. But also, it just felt like they weren't looking to put on a noteworthy show. They were just putting on a show for a show." It was like, yeah, it was like they could get fans back, so let's just put one on and get money yeah. in the door almost. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so Cross not getting a reaction. Now, it wasn't even like, a, oh, I'm stunned silence because the heels retained. It was. It felt like, a, oh, but we don't care. Like, yeah. we thought Cross would win. Cross won. We, we don't, it's not that we, we hate Cross, but we don't love Cross. We kind of just, eh, he's Yeah, there. Cross is there, yeah. And that's the problem. That how does that happen when someone who has seemingly everything going for him, he he seems to have the complete package, but he's not getting the reaction that someone that apparently has it all should be getting. He, but what, right. So my question on Cross, obviously, wrestling fundamentally is about good guys or bad guys. Yeah. Right? Ultimately, it's good versus evil. You get, you know, your Austins and and. Even Kevin Owens, to a certain extent, the way you'll have those line blowers who can flip. Yes, Harrying Cross is is white. He's does not. He's grey, sort of proper grey, because he's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy either. What does he do that's bad? I don't know anything about him Uh, because this the this evil horror movie character that does nothing. See this, and again, this is. This is the thing we said about the other guys, you know, the, the, the guys that, you know, that have established NXT superstars. That we've seen them develop, we've seen them grow, we've seen them come in and work from the bottom and we've learned about who they are and what their motivations are and their foibles and their their, their bads and their goods and everything. With Cross, he comes straight in, main event, boom, champion, injured. Straight away, back, main event, boom, champion. Yeah. I know nothing about Cross other than that he's got his wife with him, he's got smoke, he's got a, an entrance and... That's it. I, I don't know anything about this person to make me think, oh, I don't like him. Oh, actually, I think he's got nothing. And that's that's yeah, that seems like a rare misstep for NXT. When he came back from injury, I, that's the time I thought they should have just put him to the main roster. You know, he had the title. 
they weren't they were never going to gain anything by letting them regain it, mm. apart from al- almost booking them too strong that he could come in, get a win, two wins maybe, yeah. win the title, get injured, relinquish the title, come back, win the title immediately. Um they they almost booked him into a corner. But yeah, no, it was um yeah, it's a concern. Um and we'll see. Well, again, we never really mentioned this on this, the the pre-show, obviously. But Karen Cross, the bad guy, requested a match against five other people. Yeah, that's a good guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a. I want to take on. I want to prove how good I am. I want to take on all comers. Yeah. I want to beat them all. That that is inherently traditionally yeah. a kind of a a stubborn babyface like move. You yeah, wouldn't have babyfaces are stupid. Like, yeah, exactly. But by definition, baby faces are idiots who yeah. get through things because they're lovable and they're a scamp and they're a, you know they're an underdog and that's what they yeah. do. That's why people love them. You don't have, you shouldn't have heels. I mean, we speak about Roman and Roman's the the exception to all rules right now in the company where he is strong. He's not weak. He's not a chicken shit heel. He is strong. He is dominating. He will do what the fuck he wants because he's Roman Reigns and that is how they're booking him. But no one else gets that treatment. But it seems that to an extent, lesser, that Karrion Cross is dominating. He's not scared of anyone. He wants to face everyone. Yeah. No other heel within the last 20 years has been like that. And I don't even know that Cross is a heel. I, I don't... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know what... what I don't know right now what the definitions are. I know Adam Cole's technically a heel, but he's cheered. <laughs> Carlo Riley is a face because he got kicked out of Undisputed Era and Adam Cole turned on him. So he's a face. Pete Dunne is a heel, but he gets cheered. Johnny Gargano is a heel, but he's Johnny Gargano. So he's going to get cheered. What's Cross? Yeah, I just, I don't, I, Cross is a strange one. Like, I mean, you can have issues with the whole heel and baby face, but when you're neither, that's a concern. And to me, he's neither. He's just a character. Because again, we've seen not one jot of any development about his character to tell us what he is and why he's doing what he does. Other than, I want to be the champion. Okay, that's fine. That's, that's good. You know, Austin yeah. always say, if you don't want to be the champion, you shouldn't be in the business. But all other people that say I want to be a champion tell us why. A babyface, I grew up watching Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. I want to be like them, babyface. A heel, well, I grew up wanting to beat people up because I'm a bad guy and I want to see destruction. I want to be the best. Hill, simple, perfect. Yeah. We've had nothing. As I say, don't he, he just shouldn't be champion for me. He just he I'm, shouldn't I'm, be in NXT. I, I could even he doesn't. Off. He doesn't fit. Yeah, well, I get. Yeah, now that you've said that, but even before, I would have all said that. I'm not sure we've been in NXT and been, you know, maybe been like as I say, NXT's version of the Undertaker. You know, he could be part of storylines. He could create factions. You know, he could still play a major role. Guys like that shouldn't be champions. WWE had the issue when they put the title on the fiend. Once you put it on, where do you go? Yeah, because you you do feel it crosses this type of character that can't take many losses. And and also, we now look who beats him. Like who beats Cross now? Because he's noticeably bigger than all the people in that match last night. So you can't immediately think, well, Pete Dunne's going to beat him, but is he? Because there's a big difference inside between all of them. Yeah. So. If it's not someone in that match last night down the line, is it a, a maybe a Samoa Joe? But is it someone else? And you think, but but Cross Even is so Bala? dominating. Yeah, he's beaten 
yeah, thing is, he's he's beaten Balor twice now. So, yeah, but he's not beating the demon. But I don't know. It just it feels like they done a they wanted Cross in the company. They wanted to get him in, and Triple H loved him. But now it's like, oh shit! Well, Vince doesn't want him yet, or he's not quite ready for the main roster yet, apparently. But so we put him in NXT. But as we've said, he doesn't fit in NXT. He doesn't fit within the the framework that it seems to work. It doesn't feel right. And I don't know how you resolve that. He's in that middle ground. He's too, he's ready to come out of there, but he's almost not ready to go there. So he's a limbo of what happens with carrying cross right now. Yeah, that's it. So the, the biggest concern, as you say, is who takes the title from him even to lead to any of this? I mean, where do you go? I don't know. As you say, unless, unless Joe's the one. Um, but again, I don't like that booking of Joe coming straight back in. If so happens he does come back and go straight into winning the title. Yeah. That's that's not the way WWE used to do it or NXT used to do it. Um as you obviously already said before and kind of went back to it. This isn't a, a cross bashing session. We know he's oh. good. We're we're not disputing that he isn't good. He he is. We've seen matches yeah, already. But he, star. Yeah, it just it doesn't seem it doesn't feel like a natural fit, and that's my biggest issue. And that's not really with him. That's with no one's at fault. It just it's one of those rare mismatches that you just I don't know if you can resolve it. So, yeah. but yeah, no, the main event was strong. Loved the main event. All in all, uh, the right person probably did win, despite all we said about Cross. Is that right now? I wouldn't have done a total change this early. It didn't feel the time for a total change. I don't like total change in multi-man matches. It should be a one-on-one at most a triple threat you pass that torch and I don't think yeah. you can do that in an multi-man. So yeah, it, it was a good match. We got the champion, the, the winner we thought we did, the right person did win. And as you said, Pete Dunn had a, had a star making performance. So yeah, yeah it, there was many, many wins to be had from that. Yeah. He, as I say, if, the, if there was a star of the show for me last night, Pete Dunn was, was the one from facial reactions to selling to offense to, just creativity at times. The only thing I would say, um, and it's it's so minute again, but it just really bugged me seeing him in all white. I just didn't like it. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, like Randy Orton at Mania. Doesn't yeah, feel- d- d- just not just didn't like it. But you know what? If that's all I can complain about, Pete Dunn, you know, you know, you've had a good night. I just, I just love Pete Dunn. He's just from now on, he is the guy. Right, before the show closed, uh, we went backstage to Mackenzie Mitchell, who was William Regal, asking for his thoughts on the show. Regal admitted that there had been chaos all over the show last night, and it was it was chaotic. He then said it had been seven years since he's uh, since he became general manager, and he thinks it's time for a change. And we go off the air. I feel, one, that he said this before, that maybe his time was up, um, which is fine. Regal's... I almost hope they don't take him out of the company, not out of the company, but out of the TV role somehow, because I think he's incredible every time he pops up. But this is where I actually thought this is where Joe was going to come back. I still have a feeling it might be, because we don't know if Joe's cleared yet. Now, if well, Joe's happy... WWE. Yeah, so if he's not cleared to wrestle yet, and he's happy to go to NXT in whatever role they, whether it be a commentator, whether it be, while they wait for him, if he can get cleared, he's got that look, he's imposing. Who, if Regal can't control chaos, who can? Well, Samoa fucking Joker could, could control chaos. That feels like it's a, a natural, almost too obvious progression. 
Yeah. I don't know. Are we seeing a new GM coming or is something else going to happen? It's just, I don't know. It it was a nice hook, but, and this is my issue with over the years, the whole show in that case then was built up to be a hook for a TV show. It should be the other way around. It should be TV builds up, well, pay-per-view. TV builds up the big show. Don't yeah. use a predictable pay-per-view with no surprises and no real kind of like, oh my God, can you believe that happened on TakeOver? Oh, what was the big, what, what, how, did, how did the show end? Oh, I've got to watch on Tuesday to find out. That's not, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that, like hooking you on the TV because most of the time, you know, as long as, as long as usually the last TV show is good, leading you into the paper, to make mm-hmm. you buy the pay-per-view. And then what you really want is then something to happen in the pay-per-view to make sure you come back for TV, which I'm fine with. The problem is NXT didn't make you want to watch the, the takeover. And apart from, again, a non-wrestling event, there was nothing to make you come back to Tuesday, apart from Champa, who said that they were going to in, in 48 hours, even though it would be 72, because they're wrestling on a Tuesday and they were wrestling on a Saturday. But, hey, <laughs> um, but yeah, disappointing as such overall. And my biggest thing with the, the, the Regal one, as I said, I am sure he said this before, just... I can't remember, obviously, with the pandemic that we've just went through, time has kind of stood still. <laughs> it might have been a couple of months ago, it might have been three years ago, but I feel Regal had this kind of moment where he said he might be done at the end of a... I think it was maybe just a, an NXT TV show right now, but... Yeah, I mean, at least there's speculation there. I mean, it's disappointing on how the show went overall, as you say, the predictability and the fact that you're led on by who... But you now want to watch Tuesday to find out. Yeah, you want to see what's going to happen with the championship and with Cross. You obviously want to see that the Regal was the big hook. You got the the the, the, the tornado tag with with Champer and Thatcher against the veterans. So that there's a few things that come out of this to make things right. What's going to happen on Tuesday? This could be something worth talking about, you know, or this could be something worth watching on Tuesday. So I suppose in that sense, it achieved something. But yeah. if you were watching this show for a good two and a half hours of good wrestling with some story development and some big noteworthy happenings. You've got good work. The ma- no, there's no bad matches on the card, but it what it didn't feel like a takeover. Nothing really developed, and there was no surprises. So, does that make it a good show? Does it make it a bad show? Does that just well, make it a show? I've just had a thought there, just when we're talking about this, because we're pretty much saying it's a glorified house show. Would you have been as not offended, not right, as disappointed had this just been called NXT in your house? Not NXT takeover in your house. Had this just been NXT in your house, would you still be left with that kind of same, not bitter feeling, but a bit sour taste in your mouth? As a pay-per-view or as one of their themed weekly episodes? Well, it's, it's there's no such thing as a pay-per-view anymore, really, okay. is it? Okay. Had they just so, still put it on as the weekend? Like, that's like what I'm a saying. So a Sunday show, like an old-style network of yeah. a pay-per-view or a Tuesday night special NXT, like Great American Bash. Either way, maybe not. Maybe the name... It just had immediately, to take over. Yeah, I think being a takeover, you immediately think, oh, this is going to be something special because takeovers are special. Mm. And this is what we said at the beginning of the show. They've built up such a legacy and such a hype that now every takeover has to be best takeover ever. And if it's only, that was pretty good. Like, matches were good. Yeah. It was all right. Yeah. We're not going to remember it in a few days, but, really spoiled, but we have. Um, so is it one of the weaker takeovers? Yes. Comparatively, yes, it is. But... You've got some good stuff. You've got a great main event. You've got a good ladder match. You've got 
you know, obviously different opinions, but you may have got a good six-man tag viewing experience. It's a tough one. I can't sit here and go, it was a bad show, because it wasn't. But I can't, I can't sit here and go, you should go out your way to watch this show, because you shouldn't. So it's, I guess it's a thumbs in the middle. It's a five out of ten. But the work yeah. was better than the five out of ten. It's a really confusing one. It is yeah, that, hard you, to judge that one. Your line just there sums up perfect. It was fine. I have no issue with watching it. I don't feel like I wasted two hours of my life watching it. If somebody says to me, what was it like? Should I watch it? I'm probably going to say no, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, I'm not recommending... Maybe watch the main event, but you don't need to watch the other two hours. You can watch the last half hour for the main event. That's fine. Yeah. You uh, probably maybe. don't need to... You you could flick you know, through the ladder match. You could flick for the six-man, but you could just watch one match and you won't really miss too much else. And it's... It reminds me of a, a half decent raw that you watch on YouTube on Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. You know that you watch the forty-minute YouTube video rather than the three-hour show. Yep. That's it. If anybody who's not watched it and, like as I say, there's no highlighted matches, there will be a YouTube compilation on the WWE channel that puts all the matches together. That would be for me. Watch that, and if there's anything you like you can skip to the network and watch whatever you want. But yeah, it's not a show that, again, I don't regret watching it, but I can't see me going back and watching it ever again. No, no, that's it. Just quickly, just because you forgot to mention it. Todd Pettingill was excellent. I thought the set was great. I thought the way they spoke right at the beginning, like the little video package for In Mm -hmm. Your House. And Sean Mooney was on the talking bit over the top. Was he? I thought it was Doc Hendricks. I thought Sean Mooney right at the very beginning. Oh, I thought it was either Pettingill initially and then Doc Hendricks, but it might have been Sean Mooney. Just before they introduced Pettingrew, Pet, Pettingrew, I'm thinking of Harry Potter here, um, Pettingill, I, I was genuinely convinced it was Sean Mooney who did the voiceover um, as they were talking, like the, the VHS Coliseum type, you know, spiel. Oh, it um, may have been. It may have been. I'm going to have to watch again just to clarify. <laughs> that little touch I just thought was excellent. It just gave me a little, you know, nostalgic smile. Yeah, they, they did well with it. Like the, the very beginning, like NXT for almost a decade, the leader in sport. That I like that. And like the old style thing and the, the stuff with Pettingill for it, as we said, that was fine. They, they did as much with the theme as they could. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was all good. Okay, TakeOver was was a show um if you have any thoughts feelings anything else about it you can let us know in normal ways on facebook at ring the bell show on twitter and instagram at ring the bell pod uh, the email address is ring the bell pod at gmail.com uh, you can also give us a five-star rating that would help us tremendously over apple podcasts you can also um, subscribe to us and share us and recommend us over apple Podcasts, google podcast amazon music podcast spotify stitcher TuneIn, anchor if somewhere does podcast you will find us there Okay, um, this is a rare Monday show for us. We'll be back uh, later this week, hopefully, with a preview for this Sunday's Hell in a Cell, where we have Roman Reigns, the big dog, taking on Rey Mysterio, and Drew McIntyre once again challenging Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship and much, much more besides. So hopefully, uh, myself and the preview master that is Ali Thompson will be back um, on Friday with that. And then this time next week, or maybe Tuesday, with um, a Hell in a Cell review, and he also maybe throw in some raw news as well, depending on when we do it. <laughs> yes. Yes, no, I look forward to that again. Okay, uh, this has been uh, time to go in your house with NXT TakeOver and Ring the Bell. I've been Andrew. I've been Ali. Andrew? Yep. Ring that doorbell. Ring that doorbell.